got a great song to play, you know. Just, uh, uh. Hello? <laughs> Have you ever snubbed a lady? Um, we had a technical problem. Are we on? Can we? Yeah, <laughs> we're on there. Can I swear? <laughs> Shit! Oh, yeah. Radio. It's an industry that most people listening will love or love to hate. The people who get into radio do it for passion and money, but mainly passion. Now, there's plenty of podcasts that cover the serious stuff, like who's your radio hero? How did you get your first break? What's the best playout system? Crunch and Roll does it a bit differently, though. My name is John Fox. You can call me Foxy. I've done breakfast shows uh, across the UK for many years and uh, been on commercial and more recently the BBC. In each episode, I'll be probing my esteemed guest on the really important questions that fellow professionals want to know, like what song have you played so much now that you can't hear without smashing up the radio? Or have you ever made an idiot of yourself in front of a client? And of course, the hotly contested question of who's the worst boss they've ever had to endure. So turn up the feel good and get ready for some hits and memories with your crunch and roll. And today's guest is a guy that I was very fortunate enough to work alongside at BRB a few years back. And I think prior to arriving in Birmingham, I had the same impression that some have of this man that he could be, how shall I put it, difficult. Turns out he's not. Fairly private guy really interesting and I would say a true legend, an inspiration to me. And you're about to hear some amazing stories. The time that uh, he got upset watching himself on the news and how he got fired six times in a week (laughs) and how he ended up with that name, Robin Banks. Just to warn you, this is a little bit sweary. Oh yeah. How are you, Robin? Oh, I'm all right, buddy. I'm I'm really good. I'm enjoying life. Um, Best move I ever made out, out here. Um, mate, all fucking brilliant. I should have done this sooner. Listen, Robin, we're going to get on to, uh, to I mean, you mentioned a place there um, whilst we were uh, just getting the levels correct, Atlantic 252. I'm doubly excited. Hang on, hang on a minute. Have we started? We've started, mate. There's no big... What? Robin! Dude, where's the intro? We've we've already done the intro and you're not on it. So I just go, here's Robin Banks. And you go, hey, fucking hell. And then in your face. <laughs> then we're off. Do you know what I mean? All right. Yeah. Um, now, Robin, you're Irish. I am Irish. Yeah. I speak a couple of fuck a lot I guess, Giarme Dolirodi Amok. I guess, Nihigame Guelga Gamok. I didn't know you were Irish. I am. I was born in Ireland. I was born in Kilkenny. And uh, I, I, my, my parents are, are English, bless them. And I lived about 10 miles outside of the city. So uh, when I went back home, they actually never let me have an Irish accent. <laughs> so I, had, I have uh, an English accent. My brother, on the other hand, if you spoke to him, he speaks like that. He lives in Ireland, down in Limerick, and this is what he talks like. So when you put me and him together, we kind of have got similarities in looks, but we sound completely different. <laughs> and and where, where was the fascination? Did you have a fascination for radio or did you just fall into it? Dude, well, I, God, I, I think one of my earliest memories was, I think I must have been about six or seven, and in Ireland at six o'clock, were just before the main news, they had what was called the news for the deaf, where they used to split the screen in two, and on the bottom half used to be the auto cue. 
and then the newsreader was on the top half. So I used to sit and stand there and pretend to read the news and blah, 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 blah. So I, I've always, I, I, I think I look back on my broadcasting career and think, you know, that's where it started in my front room in Kilkenny, uh, reading the news for the death on the RTE. Okay, so... We're kind of lost, um, if I'm being honest. We, we've looked at your Wikipedia, <laughs> right? We, we've oh, looked hello. at All right. Yeah. And um, so you didn't start at KISS 100, did you? No, I started when I was about 13 years old. There was a friend of mine called Richard Murphy, and he wanted to enter a competition on a radio station. And it was called AMS, and it was uh, literally about a minute's walk from the school, the, the CBS Kilkenny school that I went to. So I said, oh, I'll come down with you. So I walked down with Richard, and the guy who was presenting at the time was also the receptionist. He was the only guy there. Uh, and uh, he said to me, he goes, wow, he said, if you could do that on the radio, you'd be great. And I said, well, how do I do that? And uh, he said, go home and make a demo tape. Now, I don't know what a demo tape is, but we all know now what a demo is. So I went home, and do you remember those old play-and-record uh, cassette tape things? Yeah. So, so I, I remember sitting on my bed just talking, absolute rubbish. And I gave it to him the next day, and I was on the radio that Friday, and it was a Friday night, and I, I, I had paper with me of things I was going to say. I mean, I was rubbish, John. I, I was just, it was just embarrassing. And of course, at 13 years old, I thought I was the best thing ever. And I thought, this is brilliant. But little did I know, I mean, it was a pirate radio station. It was a Friday night. It was back in the day. Uh, everybody wanted to go out on a Friday night. They needed somebody to do that 7 o'clock show. <laughs> so, so that's how I started. Uh, I, I had one show which went on to two shows a week on AMS, which was a pirate radio station. And then I got a job on the local radio station, uh, Radio Kilkenny. And from Radio Kilkenny, I went out to the Voice of Peace in, uh, in Israel, uh, in international waters in the Mediterranean. Uh, from then <laughs> hang to... On, hang on, what? Robin, Robin. What is the Voice of Peace? The Voice of Peace is one of the... was one of the last true pirate radio stations. So it was in the Mediterranean. It was like the Ross Revenge. It was, you know, like Radio London, Laser 558. It broadcast pop music, of which there was no market, to um, to Israel and uh, and the Middle East, uh, Middle East on AM and and FM, its its whole thing was peace. It, you know, it was peace between the the Arabs and the the Jews, uh, wanting to bring peace to the Middle East. And it was run by a guy uh, called Ab Nathan, who passed on uh, a good few years ago. And he's a bit of a legend uh, in the Middle East for trying to bring the Arabs and the Jews together. Wow, I know. Incredible. And yeah. wh why did they hire crazy Robin Banks to go because, out there and well, try I, and I, bring people I, together? I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't crazy Robin Banks at the time. I was some okay. kid from Ireland trying to make it in this <laughs> dirty business called radio. Um, they, do you know, uh, once again, it was that you had six-month stints on board and a friend of mine in Ireland went out to the Voice of Peace, a guy called Chris, and, you know, it was, I thought, oh, my God, this, this guy's a legend. He's gone out. And we used to write to each other. And he wrote to me 
And he said to me, he goes, oh my God, this, this is amazing. He said, the studios are like Kiss in Los Angeles. And I mean, he big, he goes, I've got my own cabin. There's all this going on. It's amazing. You've got, uh, you've got a bar, you've got a, a TV room with this massive TV. I mean, he made it sound brilliant. Anyway, I, I rang uh, the offices of The Voice of Peace uh, from my house. And a guy called, who was the station manager, called Reuven. Hey, he used to speak like this. Hey, it's Reuven. And uh, he said, uh, he said, have you got a demo tape? And I went, yes, I do. He went, play it for me down the phone. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> and he said, when can you come out here? And I said, well, you, next week. And he goes, okay, I'll buy you a ticket. So I then proceeded to go, you know, as a, as a true Irishman, John, I went on, a, on the bus from Dublin to London to get the aeroplane down to the Middle East. <laughs> so, and, and mate, I, I, uh, I, I arrived in Tel Aviv. Uh, we went to the Astor Hotel, which was our hotel, room 207. And um, met uh, a guy called Kenny Page, who was an a- absolute legend in Scottish radio. And uh, we got the tender out to the Voice of Peace. And as we're going out, there's a massive ship and we're heading towards it. And I'm going, holy shit. I said, is that it? I mean, John, it was massive. It was like, you know, a Stena Sea Link lines there. And uh, we're going, and he goes, no, that's not it. (laughs) Uh, What is it? (laughs) Fuck me. It was a fucking leaky, rusty piece of absolute tin can shit. And, and I remember climbing on. Now, remember, Chris, right, my buddy from Kilkenny, didn't know I was coming. So, uh, so, so I get on this ship, and, and immediately I, I smell diesel, right? There's diesel everywhere. And, um, and I go down to see Chris, because they oh, you want to go see Chris? And I went, yeah, all right. So I remember his face. <laughs> Holy shit, I remember. And I went, I, I thought you told me it was like kissing LA. <laughs> it's fucking nothing like it. They had these old pot mixers, you know, these old fucking pot, which actually, the, the, the pot mixers are, were incredible. We had uh, SL1210 turntables. So uh, they did not, in my six months there, they did not skip once. Um wow. I know, but, you know, that was amazing. So we were on the air for, um, God, you know, we did four hours in the morning, a few hours in the afternoon. I did the classical music show on that radio station. <laughs> so, so I used to, I used to, we, you know, you'd get bored. We were literally on that ship and doing shows. So uh, one of my links in the classical music program was, there is Alan Bastard with the Dublin Symphony Orchestra. Oh, you know, it'd be fine. Now, what? <laughs> Now, you know, classical music goes on for 25, 30 minute movements. Yeah. So that would go out, obviously, on PGM1. Uh, so, program one on, on this little desk, this analog desk. Now, as that was going out, what I used to do is I used to flick one of the CD players or one of the decks to PGM2 and crank like some rock music, you know, some early Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, Alchemy Live, whatever. And uh, little did I know <laughs> that PGM2 actually bled over into PGM1. So, <laughs> so this classical music program was <laughs> so over the top of it. It was live rendition of Sultans of Swing. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> oh, mate. We had lots of stories from there. Wow. Cunty, uh, cunt. And then where? Where did he move next then, Robin? And then, uh, God, and then uh, my six-month stint was up there. And then I went and worked for, have you heard of Chris Carey? Nope. Well, Chris Carey was the guy who basically revolutionised radio in Ireland. He bought in hot hits to Ireland, um, Radio Nova. Uh, so all the radio stations, they just played the hits. So that was the first station in the UK and Ireland that actually played the hits. Uh, Irish radio uh, back then in, in the 80s was well ahead of UK radio, well ahead. Uh, so Chris Carey uh, at that time in the, we're up to about 93, I think 93, 94 now, uh, had Radio Nova in Camberley in Surrey. So I went over and uh, worked at Radio Nova, where Chris Carey has, um, if you research Chris Carey and people listening to this podcast will go, oh my God, Chris Carey. I was fired by Chris Carey six times in my first week. First few times, it was like, you know, I was like, geez, what am I going to do? And the receptionist, don't worry, he does that. One day, classic story, I was there. He got so angry, he fired this guy right in reception he goes and you get out you don't work for me anymore he goes uh, mate i'm a delivery guy i'm just delivering this package <laughs> 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 fucking firing everybody <laughs> jesus so from radio nova i then i i remember i remember the um, receptionist going uh, uh, that there's a phone call for you and I, and I pick it up. Now, I'd been sending demo tapes out to all the big stations in the UK, and, uh, I, and I get this call, and it's, oh, hello. I'm like, hi, yeah, this is Paul Kavanagh here from Atlantic 252. I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> Hang up, <laughs> right? It's fucking... <laughs> so anyway, it rings back. He goes, oh, if you don't believe me, call me 0035346, whatever the other number is uh, for, for uh, at Atlantic. So I'm like, who the fuck, who's this? So I dial the number, receptionist, hello, Atlantic 252, best music. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so he says, Paul says, oh, when are you coming back to Ireland? And I go, well, look, is, you know, are you offering me a job? You will come and see me. So I, I went to, um, I went back to Ireland and uh, I got a job on Atlantic 252 doing two, uh, two days a week. Um, a Tuesday and I had a show on a Saturday. I had to be there for the jocks meeting on a Tuesday. And uh, the, the, the rest sort of snowballed from there. Robin, forgive me. So, the, the, I mean, I don't want to give away the magic, but Robin Banks isn't your real name. No, really? Do you know, very few people, John, let me tell you, very few people get it. Right, let me tell you a quick story. Paul Smith, the guy who uh, was behind Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was at Paul Smith's house once and was sitting around his pool, fucking rock and roll. And he's a radio man. He loves radio. So he says to me, uh, oh, you worked at Atlantic 252? I go, yeah, yeah. He goes, Robin, he said, gee, Dusty Roads. He says, joking. I said, what kind of stupid names are they? And then he looks at me and goes, at least you don't have one of those stupid <laughs> names. <laughs> I swear to you, very few people get it. And when they do eventually get it, you know, it's always, oh, do you, do you get it? Do you go into the bar? <laughs> Robin. But I've got credit cards now with Robin no. Banks on it. 
Amazing. So I go, and that's my real name. And I pull out a credit card, and it's got Robin Banks on it. And they go, how would you do that? And I'm like, well, it's me. My buddy Dusty Rhodes, Dusty has officially changed his name uh, to Dusty Rhodes. So his, his passport, all his IDs, credit cards, driving license, Dusty Rhodes. Amazing. So, so uh, is that where you got Robin Banks from? Was it during the Atlantic 252 days? Yeah, because, let I me, mean, dude, let's face it, when you're doing, you know, when, when you're doing top 40 CHR radio with, you know, you've got six seconds to do a link, uh, you, you're seven minutes past the hour, uh, link is best music, Atlant- less talk, Atlantic 252, this is Robin Banks. You know, Christian Richardson is a bit of a mouthful. That's <laughs> half my time gone. <laughs> did, you, did, you get, did you pick it yourself or did somebody pick it for you? It was a sort of, um, Paul Kavanagh was the one that, uh, that kind of came up with the, with the silly names. It's great. Worked, I, I, I think it's great. It was a genius idea because we're all still talking about it now. We're all, yeah, and you know, a, f- a few years ago, um, I thought of uh, going back to my real name on the radio, and a, a well-known radio consultant said to me, he said, do you know what? He said, Robin Banks is a brand. He said, you can't. He said, Robin Banks, he said, it doesn't matter what it is, it's, you've built up a brand from Atlantic, from Virgin, and still people, I'm out in Oman in the Middle East, I still get messages from expats who have just arrived here going, oh my God, Robin Banks, I remember you on Atlantic 252. <laughs> and, you know, so he was right. I remember having a conversation with Bam Bam um, at KISS 100. We were all doing Top 40 Radio, 16, 24, male and female, you know, at, at the time of me and Bam on KISS 100. We owned London. And, and Bam was just a, an amazing, an amazing breakfast show he had. There was nothing like it yeah. uh, on the dial, nothing like it at, at all. I remember having the conversation with Bam saying, mate, you're, you're going to have to change your name at some time because, you know, 30, 40, 50-year-olds ain't going to want to listen to Bam Bam and I think he's now um, he's now on Virgin uh, as, as just Bam uh, which is, is sort of a bit more grown up isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah you mentioned um, Kiss 100 and that for me so I was yeah. I'd started working at Viking my hometown station and um, little old Viking Mate, was I was on. offered a job at Viking were you I was offered a job at Viking to be the programmer of Viking Radio. And my interview, was, do you want to, I, I swear to you, this is the complete and God's honest truth. My interview question was, do you like the smell of fish? <laughs> <laughs> and your answer was? Well, mate, my answer was, why the hell would you make me work? I mean, I was at Kiss 100, you know, I was on some pretty good money. And I was working, working, inverted commas, four hours a day. Uh, why the hell would I move to Hull and work, you know, triple the amount of time for less money? Now, I, I should have done it, you know. Um, I should have looked at the long-term game and long-term plan. should have done it, uh, but I didn't. The magic of, of KISS whilst working for EMAP was so strong. I mean, it was just at your time when you and Bam Bam were there and Street Boy and all that, that was a huge radio station, wasn't it? It was, mate, it was massive. And we knew, without sounding like a complete dick, we knew how to do radio. Bam knew what great radio was. Even so much so that I think when he went to Jack, he, I think, you know, there, there was a bit of audio from him that I heard when he berated his newsreader. And I kind of understood that because when you don't get the support, when you work with people 
who, um, you know, when, when you're doing all the work and you, you have people who, who do, just don't do anything and, and don't care, it really affects you mentally. And to be on the radio, I mean, we're all, we're all bloody nuts. Um, but, you know, Bam knew what he wanted and did an absolutely fantastic show. Him, Tim Shaw, uh, are two of the uh, most amazing broadcasters that I've ever worked with. It's funny you should say that because when people ask me that question, I say you and Tim Shaw. Oh. I generally do, though. I mean, you, oh, you, 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 talk you. There, you talk there about working hard. I remember, so when myself and Juliana went to BRMB, and we'll get onto that in a second, but we were doing drive and you were doing the evening show. Yeah. And... I, I, I remember I was at 210FM just before that and we got offered the gig and I said to Giuliano, who isn't as much of an anorak in the industry as I was, <laughs> I, remember, yeah. I remember saying, I I'm, I'm said, Giuliano, we have to go here, mate. I mean, BRMB is a heritage station, huge station. Yeah. And I said, Robin Banks and Tim Shaw are going to be there. And he was like, yeah. who? He was like, he didn't. Who? Have a clue. He was like, who? <laughs> and I was like, mate, seriously, you've got to understand Robin Banks, you know, Kiss 100, amazing. Tim Shaw, Kerrang Breakfast, incredible. And uh, so we're, we're doing Drive, first show. It was, we were awful. I mean, we were awful for 12 months. And <laughs> we were bad. We were bad. And we didn't take any time off because we were just scared that somebody would find us out for not being decent, right? So anyway, you, you, I'm, oh, trying to get, you. I'm trying to get back to your hard work. And you were already in the office at two o'clock when we start our show to prepare for your show, which started at, yeah. I think it was seven. I mean, you work hard, don't you, Robin? You know, the, the, the really crap thing about being a radio presenter is you have to work really hard to make it sound like it, there's, there's no work gone into it at all. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, you, you need to make it sound like you just turn on that microphone and it all comes out. Let me tell you, it doesn't. Do you know the one thing I was impressed with when I first met you? And actually, we'll get onto this story as well, because it was the second time I'd met you, but you were off your tits and couldn't remember the first time. Um, when I met you... At, <laughs> when, I, when I met you at B... I've been clean and sober for 15 I years. Know. Well done, mate. 15 years. Well but the second time I met you, um, we, I mean, the BR&B studios were good. You know, they were nice studios for, 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 what, I, right, for yeah. what I was used to. You walked in with your own equipment. <laughs> <laughs> He's a dude. He's got his own. Phone. Well, my, the story behind that, I've got a preco instant replay. Uh, Bam Bam, a gig, I mean, he used to have one, and uh, you know he had one and showed me it, and I thought I've got to buy one of them. And basically, it is, you know, if you have sound effects, if you've got beds, if you, you know, you, you spend time loading them onto a radio station hotkeys, and then when you leave, all the other jocks have got them, and you hear them on the, on the radio. Now, I, I don't know whether you know this about me, John, but I've been let go from a few radio stations in my time. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know what, I thought... When I get fired again, I'll just go, yeah, all right, see ya. Which is actually what happened at BRMB. <laughs> I went, all right, bye then. <laughs> and, and I walked out. Um, so it's, it's always nice. You know, that's my show. I can, if I needed to do an outside broadcast, I'd just take my, uh, my instant replay with me, plug it in, 
two XLRs, bang, and 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 it's on a fader, and I've got my entire show, uh, all the the music, the backing music, the jingles, everything is loaded on there. Uh, I know exactly w what each button does, so uh, you know, just give me a mic and uh, a, a, a transmitter or a link back to the studio, and I'm good to go. The amount of times I see people doing outside broadcast and jeepers, there's a oh, we got we got to bring our beds. What should we do? Should we burn them onto CD? <laughs> and I actually still have that. It is in my studio now. Currently, it's the most expensive bit of equipment that I don't use. <laughs> I plug it in every morning. <laughs> I, I don't know why you got fired from uh, from Orion Media, but do you remember the time that they tried to change the playout system and it didn't work for any of us, and it annoyed you that much you ripped the studio door off? <laughs> no, 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 no. That was not. No, you're getting two things mixed up okay. now. Now this is why I get people go, "Oh, Robin Banks, don't work with him." I'll tell you why I rip this, this studio door off. <laughs> now, there is a guy who used to work there who shall remain nameless. Um, and he, said, he, he came to me and he said, Robin, uh, can, you know, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Now, I did a network show at night, which went out on BRMB, it went out on Wyvern, it went out on Beacon, and it went out on Mercia. Uh, was there any other stations that we broadcast to? No, uh, I think that, you've got That them. group owned? Yeah, I think, got I, them, think yeah. I got them. Yeah. So we used to have to do what's called split links, right? So I would, before the show, I'd record something that was exclusively for Mercia, maybe promoting their breakfast show. I'd do the same for Beacon and the same for um, oh, Wyvern. So I said to this dude, I went, look, I said, I'll tell you what you could do. I said, I'll give you the, the reads of these other stations. And, uh, you know, if you load them into the, you know, Beacon, Wyvern and Mercia, that would be amazing. So when I press the split link button, uh, the one in Birmingham, because I'm on BRMB, I'm in BRMB Studios, I can't hear the other ones. I can't hear the other stations because they're too far away. They're, they're not in our TSA. So when I press the button, the one in Birmingham goes out, the one in Coventry goes out, the Black Country goes out, and, and, and they all go out separately on separate transmitters. So he goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you. So I gave him to him. So I get a message from somebody, uh, I don't know, Mercy, going, no, it's the wrong reader's gone out. So it obviously hasn't been loaded. So I, I speak to this guy, and I, and I go, look, mate, I, you, you haven't loaded them. He goes, oh, yeah, sorry about that. And I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, 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 sorry. He said, I was really busy. I'm like, dude, you just, just need to tell me and, you know, it'll be, be fine. He goes, yeah, 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 won't happen again. Um, it happened again. I ripped the fucking <laughs> studio door off to go out and get to him. And I remember outside the studio, do you remember Tom Ross used to sit out there? <laughs> yeah. Now, I've never seen Tom Ross's face fucking upset, but it was upset when I ripped that studio door off when I realised that. And do you know what? This guy, and this is what I, what I talk about when people go, oh, Robin Banks, he's, oh, he's, you know, it's because you haven't done your job. And the worst thing is you came to me and said, is there anything I can do? Um, and I went, yeah, all right, great. This will, you know, it, and it's it's not a hard job. Just load it into the uh, the other radio station's playout system. You you know, you're a, you, you said you you could do it. So that's why um, I ripped the studio uh, door off, not because of the playout system. The playout system they wanted to get cheapers. It was awful. Yeah, I mean, uh, mind was... you, I mean, it, mate, every playout system is it has its own foibles. Every playout system I've ever used is you know is is, is pretty bad in some way, shape, or form. Technical problem. You heard something on there you shouldn't have done. Oh, yeah. Robin, another story that you might remember. <gasps> Do you remember uh -oh. when I was driving home and I was pulled over by the police 
and I had to get out of the car and the officer took me to the, the back of my car where you and uh, your co-presenter at the time, Theo the Greek, had stuck signs <laughs> all over the back of my car saying, stop, car full of drugs. <laughs> do you remember that one, Robin? I did not do that. Uh, I cannot, you know... <laughs> I, dude, seriously, did that happen to you? Yes. Did you have did. a car full of drugs? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, thankfully. Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's things like that that you just couldn't get away with now. No, but I mean, these are the stories that I wanted to share on this podcast. Because, I mean, it, the on air stuff, you are a quality presenter and I've got a lot Thanks, of respect buddy. for what you do. But there's enough of that ass kissing. It's the funny stuff. Can I tell you a really good, good story if you've got time? Yeah, go on. So one of my one of my favourite radio stories is when I went up. I was on XFM in London. And Bobby Hayne, a guy called Bobby Hayne, used to be head of music at Virgin. Uh, he worked uh, he he worked there. He went up to Scotland. He basically got a got a conglomerate together. They bought this radio station that went out um, across Glasgow, across the Central Belt, and across uh, Edinburgh. Uh, massive station, no audience at the time. It's called Beat 106. They flew me up. Bobby showed me around. He said, we, we want you to come up, do your thing. He said, come up, do your thing. I went, no, really? He said, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, okay, great. Signed the job, drove up there. And before my first show, Ewan McMorrow. Have you heard of Ewan McMorrow? Yes, he's a, yeah, 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 yeah. So Ewan McMorrow, he's, he's, he's my producer. And uh, him and Bobby Haynes sitting there, and, they, and Ewan says, right, he says, there's, there's a few things you can't do. I'm like, all right, so I get out of my pen and paper, because this is Scotland, <laughs> this is like a different country. He goes, yeah. you can't mention, you can't mention Celtic and Rangers. He said, don't do that, because, you know, there's, there's a big rivalry in Glasgow. And he gave me a list of stuff I couldn't do. And so I'm on the air the next day, first show, uh, first link. So, uh, so football, uh, right? So we've got Celtic. I, they're, they're the Catholics, aren't they? And Rangers, they're, they're the Protestants, right? So I, I need a football team to support. Now, Ewan is there going, oh, my. You, you could see he's, he's just gone white. Katie, my newsreader, is just looking at me like, what the fuck? With, within two months, right? Now, the audience loved it. Now, we used to go out every night, and this was during my dark day, so I would go out drinking at night, and then we, within two months, we all trusted each other, and we knew that we were, you know, we, oh God, we, we wiped the floor. In, in two ray jars, we kicked Clyde Glass. We were number one in Scotland. And the, the audience loved it. They were inviting me to football. We were going to, to, to the football. I was living beside a Celtic player just to piss Ewan off. And uh, Ewan had a Rangers shrine in the studio, you know? Um, so anyway, we do this. Um, Katie used to, we, we used to go out at night and Katie used to book people for the next morning. So I used to, you know, go on at seven and go, uh, who's coming in today? And Katie got, I, I don't know. I can't read my writing. <laughs> it's somebody. We used to have granddads coming in, singing carry karaoke, people that she met on the streets doing really visual magic. But it was amazing. So one day we have, um, we decide that Katie should go out with a bunch of listeners and it was Katie Topping's big girls night out. So um, she went and she, you know, she got 10 listeners and they went to the bars in Glasgow and they had a great old time. Uh, then it was time for, for Robin Banks' big boys night out. And guess what? girls can come so I decide right you know what forget Scotland now um, uh, the Glasgow airport was was right there and they they've, we, we looked uh, where 
you could fly to from Glasgow Airport, you can fly to bloody Germany. Let's go to Germany. <laughs> so we, we went to Frankfurt, right? So we start drinking. We're getting, we're getting rat-assed. And uh, we're on the plane, got a bunch of listeners, they're all getting drunk, and we get to Germany. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been to Frankfurt, but the airport is about 10 or 15 miles away from Frankfurt itself, and there's an autobahn. So we, we have our own bus, and I'm sitting at the back of the bus, and the listener, we're you know, still drinking, and I, John, I really need to go to the toilet. I mean, I need to go to the toilet. So I go to the bus driver, I walk up the bus, and I go, I'm really sorry, I need to go to the toilet. And he doesn't understand me, and I'm you know, pointing down going, I need to go to the toilet. And he goes, no, 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 no. So I go to Katie, I go, Katie, I, I, I'm, going, I'm going to wet myself. So she speaks a bit of German. So she goes up, speaks a bit of German, she comes back, she goes, look, we can't stop on this road. So I'm sitting there, and we've got enough empty, like, litre bottles, John. So I get this litre bottle of uh, water that's, that's empty and I, I, I sit at the back and I go, guys, I'm really sorry about this. And, um, and, I, and, and I go to the toilet in this, in this bottle. And with the, the bottle, I then put the bottle behind the seat. So it is behind the back seat, up against the window. And all the listeners are like, it's highly disgusting. Anyway, we get to Frankfurt. We go out at night. We're doing the show live the next day from this radio station. So we, uh, we get to the radio station. John, all hell breaks loose in the radio station. So we arrive. Katie refuses to go on the radio and do her news until I, until I have one of those flashing yellow lights like the German newsreader has. <laughs> <laughs> all my listeners, right, there's about 15 listeners. They're all coming back. They're, they're slowly coming into uh, the studio. They're all drunk. They've been out all night. The, the German um, staff at this radio station, I swear, to you they're in they're, they're in suits they're in ties <laughs> and they're looking and the the pd has got our show and he's got it uh, piped around the radio station he's sitting in his office and he calls me in afterwards and he goes do you you know do you guys do this every morning i'm like yeah every morning we do that he goes how do you do it i'm going just just have fun if you can have fun with your team it's not like work anyway fly back to scotland and the next day we're on the air and katie does a news story about uh, about urine and it, it's just been found to uh, you know to be really good for certain things. So I whack up the mic and I go, yeah. I said, yeah, it's uh, you know the, in the army they use it on the back of their boots. I've heard and it's got lots of uh, medicinal qualities. And she says to me, she goes, Robin, would you drink your own urine if you had to? And I go, yeah, of course I would. And she goes, right. So underneath her desk, she goes, what? And she goes, and he gets this bottle. <laughs> And, it's, and she slaps it down on the desk and she goes, there you go. She goes, I was disgusted with you yesterday. She then recounts the story of me going for a pee. And there's, the phone lines are going and uh, I'm answering lines and these punters are going, Robin, she's got you, mate. She's got you. She goes, Robin, I was so disgusted with you. Uh, you've got to drink this. And I'm like, but I'm not drinking my own urine on the air. And the callers are ringing up going, Robin, you've got to. She's got you. She's got your hook, lady, and sinker. So I go, all right then, uh, for the radio bit. So I reach across and I grab that bottle and uh, take a swig of it, massive swig, and I go, Aah! And she goes, she, oh, mate, she says, this is Katie. Katie, I love you if you're listening. Katie says to me, she goes, Robin, do you honestly think I would get your urine and bring it back through customs and keep it for 24 hours in my house 
and then bring it to you just to do this bit on the air. I'm like, well, that's what I thought. That's what you said. She goes, no. I goes, well, whose is it? She goes, it's mine. I did it at five o'clock this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And mate, do you know what? I looked at her and it was that moment that I went, yes, this is fucking, you know, yes, this is it. Uh, she was an absolute, and that show was just, you know, was just amazing. And I remember when Capital bought the um, radio station, I just knew that's me gone because Richard Park uh, just hated my guts, <laughs> basically. <laughs> was, there, was there a reason why you hated your guts? I don't know why. You know, when I was on XFM, he, I used to go up to him and say, you know, let's do an air check. And we used to sit down through stuff. And his words to me were more sex. I want more sex on the show. And, and I remember saying to my co-host at the time, you know, no, because we have to work on the radio again. And this was the days when I was there, Tom Bins was doing the morning show. Uh, and, and it was quite smutty. I think XFM has never really known what it was what it was doing. So no, I just think uh, you know my time at XFM was was uh, would was been and gone, and I got offered this this job on, on Beat One Hundred Six uh, doing breakfast, you know, basically a, a quasi national radio show in uh, Scotland, and uh, and it just. Uh, it just kicked off. And like I said, you know, within two Rage Up books, we were number one. There are a couple of other stories, which I will just give you the, the headlines and I would like you to share them on, uh, on oh, the Crunch and Roll. Right, what you got? I'm just going to say Jay-Z. Oh, mate. So uh, Jay-Z, Mr. Jay-Z, uh, when I was at Kiss 100, um, he, he, he came in once and he's brilliant. He's absolutely fantastic. And he came in on the air, and he was just amazing. Uh, he was uh, all his bodyguards. He came into the studios, me and Jay-Z, and Millie, my co-host, uh, and it was great. So um, about six months later, he's coming in again. Now, I had a boss at that time called Andrew Jeffries. I don't know whether you've come across Andrew yes. Jeffries. Yes, the Duracell bunny. Now, can I just say, at this time, I, I would like to put out there, I was an absolute dick. Right. And my I don't know how people worked with with me. Sometimes I was an absolute idiot. Now, I didn't like Andrew Jeffries. He, you know, told me how to do radio anyway. So I didn't like him. How dare someone tell me how to do it? So Jay-Z came in and uh, Jay-Z is is the head man. He's the I don't know what, what you call it in America. He's the president of Rockefeller Records. So I say to Jay-Z, I said, Jay, I said, you're the, you know, you're the boss. You've come in here as the boss of, uh, of a company. He goes, yeah, yeah, Robin, yeah. He said, uh, now, I've got to tell you, I said, my, my boss, Andrew, n- knew that you were coming in. I said, do you know where he is? And Jay-Z went, oh, he's obviously here to meet me. And I went, no. I said, he's gone home. He goes, and Jay-Z, he, I mean, he was just brilliant. And, and sometimes you have guests that just know what to do. They are showbiz. They know what to do. They don't put up walls. They just go, yeah, this is going somewhere, so I'll feed you. He goes, Robin, that's terrible. I go, yes, it is. You would think that the boss of the radio station would be here to meet a fellow boss. And Jay-Z's like, yeah, man, that's just so disrespectful. I go, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll fucking call him. <laughs> now, I knew that Andrew Jeffries is on a train back to Brighton because he lived in Brighton. So I call his mobile. Ring, ring. Hi. <laughs> Jay-Z just takes over. Is that Andrew? It's Jay-Z here. Oh, and you just hear it in Andrew's voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> Let me tell you, right? So, so Andrew Jeffries hated my guts after that, but um, uh, he didn't last too long. There was another boss of mine at XFM. Here's another, speaking of Andrew, as a guy, I love this. This man, Andrew Phillips. Can I just say, Andrew Jeffries, um, you know, I have, years ago, I got in contact with him and I made my amends with him uh, as part of my steps and, you know, making amends with people. Good on you. So I've got nothing against Andrew Jeffries now, and I know that, you know, it, 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 it wasn't him, it was me. So Andrew Phillips. So I, I have a, uh, a co-host at XFM, Melinda Lawler, and she was brilliant. She was really, really good. And we're on the air, we're telling stories, and we, uh, Melinda's going out for a date, single girl, and she has, she's telling me on the air, she has a three-date rule. Uh, she's not going to you know, sleep with anyone until after the third date. So uh, she goes out with this guy, date one, and I'm, you know, we're counting down first date, second date, then it's, then it's third date. So I say to Melinda, it's third date. I mean, are you going to, you know, are you and him going to do the nasty tonight? She goes, I'll tell you tomorrow. It's like, all right. Anyway, so next day comes, four o'clock comes, ten past four, first link, Melinda! Third date, you had it last night, you got three date rule, what happened? She goes, I'm not telling you, Robin. I'm like, ah, come on, come on, that's just, that's just awful. You, you've, you've got to tell us. Anyway, she doesn't, she refuses to uh, tell us. Anyway, she goes out to make a cup of tea between the songs. So I barricade the studio door, whack up the mics and go, right. <laughs> I go down her bag, I get her mobile phone, I get the guy who she's went out on a date with, I call him up live on the air. I go, so third date, blah, 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 what happened? Anyway, I hear, all I hear is <laughs> Melinda, eventually, when I've done this great bit of radio, I think, oh, what a dick. Melinda comes in, she goes, I, she goes, I'm never working with you again. Never working with you again. So she storms out. So, of course, I go on the air and I, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people, this is what's, what's happened. Or what should I do? I try and get in contact with my boss, Andrew Phillips, at the time. And uh, he's also on a, on a train. Um, and and I, I can't get, get through to him. So I'm trying to call Melinda on the air. Can't get through to her. Try to call Andrew, my boss, on the air. Can't get through to him. You know, with what can I do? And the, the, the radio part of my brain is going, no, this is drama. This is just great. Anyway, so I decide, I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll call Andrew Phillips' house. He might be at home. His kid answers. And it's, uh, it's Andrew's 11-year-old son. <laughs> so I go, look, I say, um, listen, you're the closest thing to my boss as, as I can get. And so I explained to him what's happened. I said, you know, what should I do? And he gives me the, he, he goes, he, he knows women. This 11-year-old knows women. He goes, mate, he said, stop calling her. He says, stop calling her because, you know, it's before seven o'clock. You, you finish at seven, she knows it's for the radio if it's before seven. <laughs> she goes, stop calling her. He said, do you like this, this girl? I said, yeah, I really like her. She's my, my buddy. And I, you know, I, he goes, do you feel bad? Yeah, I feel bad. He goes, look, it's not the fact you asked her or you spoke to the guy. He said, it's the fact that you went down her handbag. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. He goes, you never, ever go down a woman's handbag. Anyway, so uh, I hang up the phone from him, finish the show, uh, coming to work the next day and Andrew Phillips calls me into his office oh man he gives me a bollock and he's screaming at me and, I, and I'm looking at him and I'm going Andrew just for a second I said I'll take the bollock in just for a second I said didn't it sound great 
It wasn't your son brilliant. I said, and he goes, you had my son on the air. You went past, you went over the line, you did this, blah, 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 blah. Andrew Phillips is also the man who, because uh, I used to work with Carl Pilkington uh, long before Carl was on the television. In fact, I was in the meeting where Andrew Phillips said to Carl, uh, he said, stop talking on Ricky Gervais's show and just drive the desk. And Carl didn't listen to him. But uh, if you go to Andrew Phillips' website now, I mean, if you do it now, uh, you, he, in the blurb of the website, he's actually, yeah, I'm the guy who found Carl Pilkington. No, you fucking didn't. I was in the meeting. I was in the meeting. So anyway, many years later, uh, I meet Andrew Phillips and Andrew comes over to me and he goes, mate, he says, mate, I've got to tell you. He goes, what? He goes, that bit of radio. Do you remember when you had my son on, on the air? I go, yeah. He goes, mate, it was fucking great. Guys, <laughs> I loved it. He said, I got it on, I got it on tape and I loved it. I've still got it. And I'm like, Andrew, I gave you just a second. I actually said, just give me a second, just to just for me to say it was good, wasn't it? Just for you to go, yes, it was, and then continue the bollocking. I said, you didn't do it. He goes, mate, it was great. But I realized then, John, you know, I, and it's something that when you are single and you've not, you know, you, you're not married, um, you, you're just renting, it's different to when you have bills to pay, when you're married, when you have a child, when you have children and you're in radio, when you have a mortgage, you know, and that guy, he's got a few kids, he's, he's, he's married, he's, you know, the most important thing is not some shitty radio show that's called his son. It's him keeping his job. And the most important thing, and I realise that now, you know, I, I realised it not that long afterwards, that, you know, you can do what you want on the radio. And it's good fun. And we can, you know, go on the Crunch and Roll podcast and talk about drinking urine. Oh, isn't that funny? <laughs> but do you know what? Uh, the most important thing is is your family and it, it, radio and being a radio presenter it's just a job we're actors and and you know you, sometimes you've got to pull it back and I hear sometimes I, I, I hear radio presenters now and they're trying to push it and I'm thinking what are you doing stop you haven't got the foundations to push it like that great radio presenters they can talk about anything Mark Story once told me and I, and I say this when I'm coaching I did this this link and I was uh, had an air check session with Mark Story and Mark and I did a, and I talked about lesbians and he went he stopped the tape and he went no 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 he said never say lesbian and I'm like but but why he says too aggressive on the radio say women who love other women everybody will know what you're talking about but you won't get the complaints and I've taken that and I've you can talk about anything on the radio you can talk about anything as long as you do it and you use the correct words and you can do it. People will, I mean, mate, I'm in the Middle East. I'm, I've been doing a breakfast radio show and getting away with some shit here that, you know. <laughs> People go, how do you get away with this? And I go, what? We're not talking, you know, it's your mind. I can tell you about every bit what it's about and it's not what you're thinking. Now, I know it is. You know it is. You know that I know that it is. I know that you know that I know that it is. But, you know, it, 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 again, it takes work. It takes work not to be fired. It takes work to have, um, to have an out. It takes work to, you know, to do, especially nowadays when you've got people who will complain about, 
anything and, and, and I think it all you know it started with well it didn't actually it's, which came first was it the, um, the the Andrew Sachs thing with Jonathan Ross or was it the I think the Australian nurse came after it did it I would have thought that was the right order yes I remember reading about the these two Australian presenters. I remember exactly where I was. It was Oxford Street coming up um, Oxford Circus Tube Station. And I remember reading in the paper that these two Australian crazy radio personalities had got through and spoke to the maternity ward. And they were the front page. John, I swear to you, and I, and I tell this to people, I go, I, I remember thinking, oh my God, what a, what a simple and great radio bit. What a freaking brilliant radio bit. Oh, my God. And they didn't, you know, they didn't actually get through. And then the news came out that that nurse, bless her, had uh, committed suicide and uh, they were blamed. And the nurse that committed suicide wasn't even the one that they, well, I mean, they, they spoke to her at the beginning. She's the one that put the call through. Yeah. And then they both, you know, didn't work for two years. Um, they were split, you know, you know Jeez, man, you just don't know. You, you that's that's why you you don't hear wind up calls on the radio anymore. Um, you know, the wind up calls used to be great, but they just people will complain about anything and everything, and it's so easy now to go on um, uh, social media and did you hear? And then all, all of a sudden there's 60 comments, 59 of them are people that didn't hear it, but are bloody outraged. Do you know what, Robin, I'm kind of glad that you've changed the, the, the mood. Um, and rightly so, but I just want to talk about a moment that I remember at BRMB when, um, yeah. you filmed, uh, the, the local news. Um, there was a new story about you being an ex addict. And I, I remember yeah. before your show about six o'clock at BRMB, we, we all gathered yeah. around the, the TV to watch the news and I, I always wonder <sighs> I always wonder why you were why you were upset so right okay I'm going to tell you this and and um, hopefully you won't laugh at the end of it but it was the uh, the local news so yeah you're right six o'clock and they came in I think the day before because you know I was back on the radio and this addict who was in rehab drinking drugs <clears throat> And they did this, you know, I did this uh, be, before I went to rehab. I mean, I completely screwed my career up. Um, and I went to uh, Gal after Kiss 100 um, got rid of me. I, I went to Galaxy and um, James Brownlow there offered me a job. And he came and he said, oh, come on up and do the uh, do, I think it was a Saturday Sunday show or Saturday show in the afternoon. And I will put you up in the Malmaison Hotel, mate. I drove from my house. I went to my dealer, got four grams of Coke. Um, I thought, yeah, that'd be all right. I didn't book into the hotel till six o'clock that morning. I'm on the air in a few hours. Tried to get some sleep. Couldn't sleep. Drank the minibar dry. Then went on the air for about an hour. Had blackout. Um, I can just remember him coming up to me with my expensive bit of equipment that I bring everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and giving it to me. And then I go back to my car. I get in my car. My, my agent is ringing me going, what the hell's happened? I'm not answering my phone apart from the one phone call I make to my dealer to get more drugs. What an idiot. Uh, I, it was, you know, then I, I, I thought I, I, I've got to save my career. What will save my career? I've used every single excuse. I know I'll go to rehab. That'll sound great. So I, I called this rehab place in Spain and I said, look, um, here's my credit card number. Take all the money now. So I have to go. 
uh, because I know that when I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm sober, you know, I, I, I won't need you and it's fine. So, uh, you know, I got back, um, I got back, I did uh, my, my rehab. I have been, I think this is my 15th year. I, I'm uh, one of these addicts that doesn't count how long I've been sober, but I think it's my 15th year. Yeah. Uh, 2007, July 2007 is when I went into rehab. And uh, when I got the job at BRMB, yeah, the the uh, news came and wanted to do a, like one of these little sort of six minute features, which is fine. You know, I, I don't mind. It'll promote the show, promote the radio station. And I don't mind talking about it. So I spoke about it. The reason why I was upset is I don't know whether you remember, but at the beginning, uh, and what TV people tend to do is they tend to dramatize everything up. So instead of just you know going straight into the interview, they had this voiceover with he was in rehab and he nearly screwed his life up and he spent 50,000 pounds in the last year. And they had, um, they had a hand, wasn't my hand, chopping up lines of cocaine. Yeah. Now, uh, Paul Kay was beside me, my boss at the time, our boss at the, the time. And he goes, what's wrong, Robin? Because I was shaking my head. And I was, like you said at the beginning, I was upset. And I, and I went, oh, God, look at the size of those lines. They're tiny. <laughs> that is not. <laughs> my ones were four times as big as that. I don't want anyone seeing that. <laughs> what the hell? So that, John, is why I was upset at that news story. Well, I'm all for being open-minded, but I'm not all for discussing this live on air. Thank you. We are profoundly uh, sorry. Oh, yeah. We're coming to the end now, Robin, and it's, uh, it's been amazing. It's been, yeah, uh, but it's, been, <laughs> it's just been lovely to speak to you. There's a couple of stories Thanks, that I want to share about you. Firstly is the, the first time that I met you, which I briefly mentioned Uh-oh. before. Oh when yeah, was, so so can I just say this must have been during my drink and drug days. Yeah, yeah. Now I have lots of people going, oh, do you remember when I met you? And we and I'm like, I have no JK and Joel have some amazing stories that you know <laughs> that I've they stole my clothes from a hotel once. I had to go <laughs> naked into Kiss 100. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here we go. Here's one to uh, here's one to add to the list. We have a mutual friend who is called Pam Hargreaves. Oh, Pam, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And I loved her, and we were good friends. And I know that she worked with you at Kiss, yeah. and um, she was great, brilliant. Yeah, person. she was great, a, a, a beautiful human being. Anyway, so yeah, she, she came up, when I was at Viking. She came up to me and said, "Well, who, who would you like to meet?" And I was like, talked oh. about how much I love Kiss, and I said, "I've always wanted to meet Robin Banks." And oh, she went, "No, don't." Don't you worry about that, because I'm really good friends with him. Can so I, she can, le- John, can I just interject? Was this at one of our sort of EMAP, E-MAP awards e- parties? EMAP oh. awards. Mate, I was Sheffield. screwed. <laughs> EMAP awards in Sheffield. And what, she can I, me- was, this, was this the award ceremony that I thought it was a good idea to wear a shell suit? Yes. No, so, there we are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as Pam led me off by the hand, we met at uh, just outside the toilets. And uh, for some reason, you'd spent quite a bit of time in there, right? There's a surprise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I met you and you, you were dribbling and that was it. And I was like, wow. Um, is, I said to Pam, I said, is there any chance I could meet Bam Bam? <laughs> 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 and look, just one more story. And, yeah. and this, I, I just want to set people who listen to this, and you, you've said it a couple of times. I haven't said it, and you've said that people thought you were a dick. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I can, I can. I'm going to be honest, Robin. I can, I see can why. concur. They were right. No, no, Goodbye, no, no, Robin. No, no. <laughs> because, I, and I always, because people often say to me, um, "What is Robin Banks like?" And I, I set them straight. I say, "Look, when he's on air, he's playing Robin Banks, and it's nuts. And he makes Theo the Greek drink piss, and he puts <laughs> signs on the back of people's cars. He 
does crazy stuff, right? That's Robin Banks. But I remember, and I always share this story with my, my eldest Rosie. She she wasn't well. She had a febrile convulsion, which is just a horrific thing to go through as a parent, oh, but God. it's very, very common. And you messaged me as, as yourself, and you were so sweet and caring that I will never forget that. So for that, Robin Banks, I love you for that. Oh, mate. Do you know, my, my wife, I remember when I got back into radio from, um, from rehab and I knew I, I wasn't going to get back into radio and uh, I started a company, I started a couple of companies, took one on, don't want to mention it, but took one on Dragon's Den and got yeah, yeah, <laughs> more yeah. money than we asked for. Anyway, so, um, so I, uh, I got back into radio and, I, and we moved to Leicester to do the breakfast show on Leicester Sound and I said to my, uh, my wife, I went, look, you can't, don't tell anyone what I do. Don't just don't tell anyone what I do because when I go out at night, she didn't understand why I would never tell anyone what I did. Um, she goes, "Oh, but you got to be proud of it. You got to be proud of what you do." She, and she lasted a year, John, and then she came back from work one day and she went, "I now know why you don't tell anyone what you do." And I went, "What happened?" She went, "Well, they were talking about you in the office, what you were doing this morning, and I was so proud of you. I said, that's my husband.'" And I went, and, and then it started. She goes, yes, it did. <laughs> she goes, people I've never met before were coming up to me, asking me this, ask, oh, my God. So, yeah, it is. We are actors, you know. We are, we are actors. And that's why, you know, the Robin Banks that we've just spent the last while talking about on the radio is not the same actor Robin Banks who's been doing... Uh, a breakfast show in the Middle East for the last six years. I, I remember people going, is, when they found out that I was you know, coming to Oman to, uh, to do a radio show and run this radio station, people going, what the hell uh, is he doing? He's not going to last a week. Here I am, six years later. I remember when, when, I did, um, when I took over at Star up in the Northeast, this little radio station, which is actually, actually quite a big radio station, um, and we had no... No budget, and I and you know this radio station had been screwed with uh, over the years so many times, and so I had to, with zero budget, I had to tell the audience and make um, make a shake up in the area that this radio station was changing. So I did, you know, I came up with this idea, and um, there was a part of me that that just went, yeah, I've just come up with this idea, let's let's do it. But you know, it's it's thought about. Each little thing is thought about, but it's how you play it out like an actor plays it out. And we did 10 formats in 10 days and people thought we were crazy. And, uh, you know, the first Rager after it, we got record figures. The second one after it, we got record figures. And they fired me the next day, mate. Well, <laughs> <After laughs> that. let's, just, let's just finish on where you are now then, Robin. So are you happy where you are now? Oh, mate, it, do you know what? 15, 20 years ago, I think, when you saw presenters that would leave the UK and go to the Middle East, uh, and I was one of these people that went, couldn't make it in British radio. <laughs> it's gone to the Middle East. Um, I, you know, I think that changed. Um, I mean, obviously, presenters who came out here 20 years ago couldn't make it in British radio. Uh, but I think in the last sort of 15, 10 years, the whole, you know, radio in the, in the Middle East uh, and, you know, yourself networking. There are some amazing presenters back in the UK now who can't get jobs. You know, you've got five times Sony Award winner uh, Tim Shaw 
not on the radio. <laughs> what? <laughs> the guy is an absolute genius. Um, but it's easier to shut up and play the music and talk about, uh, uh, you know, what X Factor was on last night um, than actually doing it. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy uh, where I am now. Uh, I'm, I'm at High FM, which is a, a CHR, a top 40 radio station in Oman. We're about to open a new rock station, uh, which is great, and I'm uh, heading that up as well. So, yeah, I am very happy. Well, Robin, I'm overjoyed that you're you're so happy. You you deserve it because you are a beautiful human being, and I would like to thank you for not just recording uh, Crunch and Roll with us uh, this afternoon, but um, for being a great mate as well, Robin. Mate, thank you so much. That's really nice, and it's been an honour to be on the Crunch and Roll podcast. Is that right? It is Crunch and Roll I'm doing now, isn't it? I'm clapping myself I'm clapping myself (laughs) You have been listening to Crunch and Roll with me, Robin Banks Subscribe on your favourite podcast app to get every new episode as soon as it drops you lucky thing Crunch and Roll is a 969 media production presented by the one and only John Fox and made to sound half decent in the edit afterwards by Simon Bososki. He is sorry. Oh, yeah. And do you know who I was talking about? No. No, it was...